Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A team in the NFL has the most pressure on it this offseason. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Jonathan Zaslow filling yeah. in. For Ian Fitzsimmons tonight, you can find Zaz at Zazlow Show. You can find me, Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W Sports. You can also check out all the NBA action on ESPN Radio. The NBA Rising Stars on ESPN Radio will come your way Friday right after Amber and Ian hops off air. You can check that out 9 p.m. Eastern. The NBA All-Star Saturday night will begin at 8 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. And then the 2023 NBA All-Star Game will be broadcast right here as well. Coverage beginning Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. So all of the NBA action. But let's talk about the NFL, Zaz, because we are officially in the NFL offseason. The NFL draft will come our way in April. We are in mock draft season, as we like to call it. But it's not just draft talk that I want to do right now. I want to look at the offseason as a whole and the moves that all of these teams need to make. And I want to ask you, what is the team with the most pressure on it this offseason? I'm telling you, I think I'm going a little bit off the board here, but I think there's a lot of pressure on the Washington Commanders. The Commanders have the number two overall pick. Uh, you know, you're in a spot in a quarterback-heavy draft. You're going to be able to, to, to get the pick of the litter after Caleb Williams comes off the board, presumably, at number one. So you have to assume, okay, they got to fix the quarterback situation. That's obviously a major decision. But you would think that not Daniel Snyder. Anyone but Daniel Snyder. Just be not Daniel Snyder. And the Washington Commander fan base is going to be super pumped up about new ownership. Well, the jury is still definitely out on the new ownership. You had kind of a messy head coach search going on. You had Ben Johnson, who, you know, the, the, one of the reports coming out, there was a lot of he said, she said, but one of the reports coming out there was they, they seemed a little bit too cocky for NBA guys, you know, who are running the Washington Commanders now. So I think you got new ownership there who needs to prove themselves to what at one point was a really rabid fan base in the D.C. area, and then they ended up, you know, from my point of view, settling on Dan Quinn. So how is that going to work itself out this first season with the new head coach? A little bit underwhelming of a hire, if you ask me. So between those three, three things, ownership, head coach, number two overall pick, I think there's a lot of pressure this offseason on the Washington Commanders to start heading in the right direction. I mean, Dan Quinn is being flirted with now for, for years to be a head coach here, and, and certainly Washington was one of those places. I mean, we thought they might try to go that direction last season. They didn't. The new ownership coming in. I understand what you're saying. A new era there. Yeah. I just think that a new era signals a lack of initially I think you have time if it's a new coach new ownership new everything and I expect there to be a new quarterback there as well I think there will be a new amount of time to go ahead and exhaust all those resources before people start getting fed up in other words I think right now people in Washington are just happy that Daniel Snyder era is over and so 
because of that, I don't think that there's so much pressure right now. So that's why I wouldn't put them on that list. But I do like it from the quarterback perspective because for me, typically this conversation would start with the teams that need a quarterback. And the teams that need a quarterback this offseason, there are quite a few of them. The Broncos need to figure out their quarterback situation, assuming that they're moving on from Russell Wilson, which they've got to figure that out quickly. The Falcons have to figure out their quarterback situation. The Raiders, the Vikings, are they bringing back Kirk Cousins? What's happening there? It's starting to look like maybe that's going to be the answer there. The Patriots are another one. The Commanders, as you mentioned, and the Steelers as well have a quarterback situation. So I think any of those teams would be good candidates for having a lot of pressure on them. The obvious place to go, though, of oh, course. I see what you did you here. You're doing a whole Bears. process of elimination, and I'm now you're throwing the big one on us. Let's hear it. The obvious place to go is also the Chicago Bears, because although they currently have a quarterback, they may in fact be choosing a quarterback at the top of the draft. And either decision that you make there, whether you're keeping Justin Fields or whether you're drafting Caleb Williams, you better sure as heck hope it is the right decision. So they've got a ton of pressure on them just to make a right decision. Whereas some of these other teams, although they have to address the quarterback position, because of where they're addressing it or how they're addressing it. You know, the Vikings end up bringing back Kirk Cousins if they work out something, if he gives them a little bit of a discount so that he can stay in Minnesota because he likes living there. It's like, all right, like he's older. But, it, you know, no one's going to be like, oh, that was so insane. That was such a historically awful move, right? That conversation's not going to happen. With the Bears, that's a conversation that can actually happen if they miss on Caleb Williams, if they end up riding with Justin Fields, however they play that, or, or the opposite way, if Justin Fields ends up being that dude somewhere else it's going to look bad for the bears so i think chicago has a lot of pressure but but wow this is some setup more elimination i'm going with the new york jets a team that doesn't actually need a quarterback what a setup that was i mean you had me going this direction this direction and now you finally landed the plane the thing is with the new york jets is they are the team unlike all of those teams i just mentioned They are the team with the expectation to actually win a championship immediately. It's crazy. And they have to get that right. So as all those other teams that I just mentioned, the Chicago Bears shirt, yes, lots of pressure. They have to make the right decision. The Falcons have to find a quarterback, whatever. All those decisions are going to be just decisions we evaluate over the next five to ten years. The Jets' decisions we will be evaluating next season. If they don't get it right next season – most notably, if they do not address that O-line this season that I told everybody was broken as we went into last season and Go nobody on. was listening to me and is broken now as we're going into this season. An O-line that has tasked with protecting an older quarterback who is coming off of a major injury. If they don't get that right in the other pieces right there in New York, everybody's going to get fired. Everybody's done there, including the run of Aaron Rodgers, and it will all happen within one season. So I can't imagine a team with more pressure than that. Look, you know how I feel about the Aaron Rodgers situation. We're at a place now because now we're, we're looking toward next season where it's actually been years since Aaron Rodgers has been a great quarterback. Years since he's been a really good quarterback. I mean, and he's back-to-back MVP when he was a really good quarterback. I understand, but we're, we're if we fast-forward to the fall at the start of next season, it'll have been years since he performed at a high level. The previous year, he played four downs. The year before that, he was not very good his final year in Green Bay. We have to go back years since he was a really good quarterback. And we talk about Aaron Rodgers as if he was Tom Brady appearing in the Super Bowl 
every other year. He's appeared, not just one, but he's appeared in the Super Bowl one time. And by the time next season starts, it'll have been 13 years ago. I mean, the way we talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, I get it. it you know, you, you, you made a case, Amber, that there is the most pressure on the New York Jets out of anybody. That makes sense to me. But this idea that Aaron Rodgers is the savior for this team, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hearing it. I'm not sure it does to me either. I, I didn't think that he was necessarily – I didn't feel confident that Aaron Rodgers was going to waltz into New York even if he hadn't gotten hurt, if he, that he was going to waltz in there and just win a Super Bowl. And I have always said, why, like, why is everyone convinced Robert Sala is a great coach? Do we know? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it came point. up very paranoid to me this year. Very then there's that. Then there's the article from The Athletic that made it seem like it's a lot of discourse in that locker room and in that organization. And people are unhappy that the quarterback is running the organization. And it, there's a lot of issues there when you turn over the keys to the kingdom to a 40-year-old quarterback who's coming off of torn Achilles and you're expecting him to be the answer when the problem is that he is not your only need. Even if Aaron Rodgers comes out, And he does look great, Zaslow. And we have seen Aaron Rodgers be great year after year after year. It didn't amount to the winning in Green Bay always, as you mentioned. People talked about Aaron Rodgers like he was generational. People would call him the best quarterback in the National Football League, even when Tom Brady was still in the National Football League. And yet the Super Bowls were not there to show for it. So why do we believe at 40 years old in New York, he's going to somehow, even if he's great, he's going to somehow be able to cover up all the other flaws that we saw this season and including the potential flaws there with the coaching staff. But what I do know is that if he doesn't, the front office is gone, the coaching staff is gone, the quarterback's gone, a lot of the team's gone. I mean, it is going to be a clearing of the entire house in New York if you don't get this offseason right. The Packers this, this past season, they were a lot better this year with Jordan Love than they were the previous year with Aaron Rodgers. They were much better, minus Aaron Rodgers. And that's the whole point is we're going to be years, several years removed from Aaron Rodgers actually playing at a high level. And the way this Jets team is currently constructed, I mean, it's a seven-win team. This wasn't an 11-win team that they just need competent quarterback play. This was a seven-win team. They were the pits this year offensively, and you're adding a quarterback, essentially, you're adding a quarterback who has not played at a high level in several years, expecting him to fix an offense. That was the pits. I don't see it. So they've got the most pressure. Who do you think, America? Who do you think has the most pressure to win the offseason in the NFL. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will get to your phone calls coming up next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Team in the NFL has the most pressure on it this offseason. Amber and Ian, but with Jonathan Zaslow tonight instead of Ian Fitzsimmons. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me, Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W Sports. So Zaslow decided that the Washington Commanders have the most pressure on them because of all the changes there, new ownership, new coaching staff, probably a new quarterback, that you have to get it right is what Zaslow is saying because you're going into an entirely new era for a city that deserves a lot better than they had. Honeymoon period's not forever. You know, like this is it. This is the honeymoon period. You got it. You got to get it done now. And I understand that. I understand that thought process. I just think that the pressure isn't there yet for the Washington Commanders. I had the New York Jets because although they've got a quarterback, albeit he's 40 and coming off an Achilles, but although they have a quarterback, they have to win now. And by win now, I mean win a Super Bowl now. And if they don't, it's laughable. Everyone else is getting fired. I mean, everyone's getting fired. The quarterback's done. Like, everyone's gone if they don't win a Super Bowl. So that is serious pressure to make sure that they have the pieces this offseason to put them in a reasonable position to do that. So we are asking you, America, who has the most pressure this offseason in the NFL? Triple Eight, say ESPN. Our friend Terrence is calling us from Georgia. Hey, Terrence, who you got? Hey, guys. Uh, Brian Dayball. Bill Belichick is waiting in the wings for that job. That's his dream job. Uh, I, that's why I don't think he he signed with anybody because he's going, waiting to see what Dable what 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 happens with Dable's team this year. And that's and that that's crap, and that crap from yesterday, man, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah obviously, 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 obviously. Listen, yeah. Terrence, that goes that goes without saying. Not uh, a, and obviously, our not our exactly thoughts hot with hot take. No, and our thoughts with 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 everybody um, who was affected at that at that heinous act at the Super Bowl parade. Uh, It was ridiculous, as Terrence said. Uh, That's a great way to put it. But listen, Brian Dayball, so he has the Giants as Bill Belichick's ultimate dream job there. Ah, I I don't know if I see it, but Dayball also a respected coach around the NFL. I also frankly don't know if I believe that the Giants move on from him without something pretty catastrophic happening this season. I think there's some truth to what Terrence is saying there, that yes, I think there's a ton of pressure on Dayball. I also think that that is a job because he worked there before. I think that is a job that Belichick would be interested in. Where I certainly disagree with Terrence is that Belichick somehow uh, is holding out for that being the dream job. I think Belichick wanted a job. I think Belichick went through two interviews with Atlanta because he was very interested in the Atlanta Falcons head coaching job. I don't think anybody wanted Belichick this offseason. So I disagree with that part from Terrence. I mean, Belichick's not getting any younger. That's the only problem. And it feels like Belichick doesn't have a job right now because of his old school ways, frankly. I mean, yes, he's arguably the greatest coach of all time. But for a guy who is 71 years old now, he does things in a very old school, hard-nosed approach, kind of ruling with an iron fist. And I don't think that goes over necessarily in today's NFL. It doesn't necessarily rate the same way as it once did. And it can be ignored by players when, first of all, Tom Brady is 
telling everybody to ignore it because he's a good soldier. So everyone's falling behind Tom Brady. I think that helped because it, it worked so well. That system worked so well for Tom with Tom's personality that everyone else kind of fell in line because they also wanted to do the winning and they wanted the ring. So I think that's part of it. But the other portion of this is that you can deal with that kind of system maybe when it there is the winning. But when there's not the winning all of a sudden then it just doesn't rate the same and it's not nearly as fun. And this whole idea of it's, you know, my way or the highway and I treat everybody like trash, even though we're all grown men. Right. I don't know if that goes the same, you know, I'm going to run you into the ground. Everything's going to be hard and everything's going to, it's just not, it's a different generation of football players. And, and th- so we see, we're seeing a trend towards younger coaches in the NFL. I think that's the part where, you know, you bring Belichick in and the attitude takes over the entire building. And it's one thing for that attitude to be your building, to be your organization, when you have six Super Bowl championships amidst that whole mentality. But when you bring it in, when there hasn't been any winning in many years, we're talking about the Giants, for example, when there hasn't been many any winning in a very long time, and you're trying to essentially change the attitude in that building I don't think a guy like Belichick works. It's, it's not a happy, it doesn't seem like a happy environment when Belichick is your head coach. But that's okay when you've done all of the winning. I don't think it's okay when you're starting essentially from the ground level and right. trying to build the organization back into a winner. I don't think it, it works differently when it's coming in from the outside than when it's been a system in place and you're on the inside for many, many years. They would also be going from a 48 year old Brian Dayball to a 71, 72 year old, I guess. So they'd be 49 and 72 respectively by next year. What's your longevity there? I, I recognize Bill has a lot of energy left and that we see these coaches coach well into their 70s, but that's part of it, I would imagine, as well, if you're an owner or a general manager looking at the longevity of your franchise. Triple Eight, say ESPN. Brian is calling us from Ohio. Brian, thanks for the call. What team has the most pressure this offseason? Um, I think the Carolina Panthers probably have a lot of pressure. Um, he's talking about the commanders. Already need they have pressure because they got to get it right. But what if you're a team that's already gotten it very wrong? I mean, they have a new ownership and they had a coach. They fired him after one year. Now they got a new young guy that's unproven from Tampa. And I think the quarterback they've already missed on. They've already given away their number one pick. So I mean, if they're the worst team again two years back to back, I just feel like uh, the pressure they would be feeling. Especially as a fan, I would I would be feel, feeling pretty bad right now to be a Carolina Panthers fan. Yeah, thanks. That's a good nomination, Zaslow. But I think I'll go back to the same thing that I said when you threw out the commanders is just, you know, new ownership, new coach and Dave Canales. It just feels too soon for the pressure. And I understand Bryce Young and I know what it looks like and CJ isn't helping that conversation. But the reality is, Zaslow, they could both end up being good. It's not mutually exclusive. Just because CJ Stroud is excellent doesn't mean Bryce Young can't pan out. It's just such a killer that you, you look at the top of this draft and they got nothing. They just like they just they think there's no pick there for the Carolina Panthers. It's such a buzzkill if you're a Panther fan. It is. Uh, it sucks. Triple Eight say ESPN. Rick is calling us from Tennessee. Rick, thanks for the call. Who has the most pressure? Well, thank you. Uh, first of all, I think Sean Payton's going to be feeling some pressure, some heat. But the team, I think it has by far the most pressure. It's got to be the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at what they did two years ago. 
you look at the way they were rolling last year, and then uh, guys, all of a sudden, things just evidently went sideways in the locker room on that team. So that head coach, it's his job to figure that stuff out. They're paying him a lot of money to do it. And I think he's got to be feeling a whole lot of it. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah, I love that nomination. For I think he's right. Because I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I think uh, you're, you're an Eagle hater. Everybody knows that. Everyone everyone knows that. Philadelphia knows that. They all hate me. Uh, no, but I, 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 had a, I had the audacity to question them this past season. And how right was I? Yeah, the uh, audacity but- to be right. I had the audacity to be right. But now we've gone from a coach who was just in a Super Bowl last season to a dude who could theoretically be fired this next season. I do think the Eagles have a tremendous amount of pressure to right some of their wrongs. If we want to be honest, Jalen Hurts has had one great year. One. That's it. Yep. One great year. So I think there's a lot of pressure there. I think he's right. Triple Eight say ESPN. George is on the road. George, thanks for the call. You got about twenty-five seconds. Who's your team? Starting now. All right, thanks for taking me. It's got to be the Chargers with all the moves, getting Harbaugh and all that. It's like they've pushed so much in that they got to make the move now. That's going to finish it all off and get them a good running back, or else for what? Thanks for the call. So again, Zaz, I just feel like it's a little I don't agree. soon for the yeah, pressure cooker for Harbaugh right now. Like I feel like they got a pass. Like they, like everybody respects Harbaugh, so they just made a hire, a great like everyone's good and in on that. Yeah, that's hire a long term hire. I, I, at least this year, that's a long term hire. I, I don't think there's a ton of pressure this first year. I don't. If he doesn't end up being able to turn things around here pretty quickly, because they do have the pieces, I I don't think the leash is like crazy long before the pressure starts to mount. But I do think here in the first year, if there's some growing pains, there will still be some patience, just because it's all so new. But to that caller's point, you see the pieces. You see the pieces there on defense. You see Justin Herbert. Obviously, we believe in that guy, so that doesn't help the pressure cooker. Coming up next, what's LeBron's future look like in L.A.? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Is LeBron's future in Los Angeles after this season? He's not on the Golden State Warriors. Could he still end up on the Golden State Warriors? Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. It's Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Let's bring in somebody on the West Coast, Pacific guy, as Zaslow and I like to call him, our friend George Sedano, ESPN LA host, joining us. And George, before I even get to LeBron and the Lakers, I want to talk to you about the game that you were at last night. You were at Clippers, Golden State Warriors, uh, working the sidelines in that one. Is this Los Angeles Clippers team for real? Is this finally going to be the season, finally, that they get something done? Well, if they don't this year, then I don't know if I can see it happening anytime soon because Ty Lue has got those guys working in a way that I don't know if anyone thought they could work that well together. Um, you know, Ty has basically explained to us that a lot of it started with Russ's willingness to go to the bench, and that really allowed him to kind of balance the the rotations as best as he could. And what he's done really within the offense, for the most part, is that when you, you see those other three guys, Kawhi, Paul George, and James Harden, clearly they're capable of doing everything and anything on the floor. But he caters the offense mostly to their strengths. So, for example, if they want to run pick and roll, they're going to do it mostly with James Harden. Doesn't mean they don't do it with the other two guys, but mostly that stuff will run through James Harden. When they want to post up, 
Kawhi is the best post-up player they have, and he can do that and work in the mid-range. Same thing with Paul George. He's their best catch-and-shoot guy. So when they want to come have a guy come down off pin-downs and things of that nature come off screens or catch-and-shoot, they'll get PG involved in that sense. So Ty has just done a magnificent job of handling these egos, and it's really a testament to who he's been his entire career. I look at him, he's a top three coach in my estimation in the sport right now. You know, you can kind of put him, put these guys and jumble them up together in the top three or four, and it's him, Spo, uh, you know, Pop. I know Pop's team's not very good, but Pop's still a great coach. And, you know, you got Steve Kerr, Nick Nurse. Those are probably like top four or five guys. Uh, I think Ty is in that category for sure. You know, it was a great game last night. I think it was a great win for the Clippers. And you had some of the antics from Draymond Green throughout the game, and you had the back and forth with the Suns the other night and Nurkic and then Draymond's podcast. Well, wait a Dray- second. Wait, whoa, whoa. He got slammed his elbow. What antics are you talking about? Oh, well, I'm talking about when, when you had the Plumley situation and then Lou got thrown out, and there was, like, a whole lot of gesturing back and forth, and I, I like it was it was a whole scene when, when guys were getting thrown out. Just the point that I'm trying to make is – He's been on great behavior, essentially, and I mean great behavior because he hasn't gotten thrown out or anything, but is there a little bit of an expiration date, you, you think? Um, look, man, those two teams don't like each other, and they have a long history. Um, even um, to Kawhi, like, those two teams don't like each other. They've never liked each other. Uh, you know, Dave Pash told a great story on the air yesterday <laughs> that, you know, during the – uh, Chris Paul era, like the uh, what did they call that Clippers team? The uh, Lob um, City. Correct, Lob City. Um, that those guys, you know, a lot of times teams will they'll go to the like the chapel in the arena. Like those teams wouldn't even do chapel together. <laughs> so they, these two teams don't like each other very much, and uh, so I don't think there's any like you know anything extra. I think it's just hard competition, and those that's and these two teams have kind of fulfilled that part of the equation uh, in their rivalry for a long time. So the story that comes out yesterday with LeBron, apparently the Golden State Warriors, they're pursuing LeBron. Everyone's interested. Then LeBron and Rich Paul shut it down right before the trade deadline. It doesn't happen. But how do you think that story gets out there? Do you think LeBron's people want that story out out there? Is it testing the waters a little bit? George, to see maybe how it's received if he ends up with the Golden State Warriors? Um, so l- let's do this, okay? Whenever there's a story, who you always have to look at who benefits the most. Um, LeBron doesn't benefit in that situation. Why would LeBron benefit in that situation? LeBron, if, if that were LeBron's story or his people's story, if anything, I think the backlash would be, oh, you're going to join Steph Curry's team? Like, I don't think, like, LeBron's going to do that. First of all, let's start with I don't think LeBron is ever going to get traded. I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to do things on his terms. He's kind of always done that. Um, And then the other part of it is Jeannie Buss, um, when she received the call from Joe Lake of the Warriors owner, uh, she said, no, we're not interested in trading him, but you can call Rich Paul and see what they think, uh, his agent. And a lot of this stems from the Warriors wanting, in my opinion, wanting to do everything they could to help Steph – at a time when this team's championship window is practically closed, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, if it's not closed, it's, it's very close to being closed. 
And Draymond is also a Rich Paul client. So to my knowledge, this was Draymond kind of egging on the owner, who he has a good relationship with, Joe Lacob, and saying, look, yo, LeBron isn't happy. He's tweeting about hourglass emojis and time running up. You know, let, let's, let's kick the tires and see what happens. And, you know, so a lot of that was motivated by Draymond and the Warriors trying to extend their window, which seems to be closing. And in the story, we also saw Daryl Morey apparently shot a shot, too, and called Rob Palinka and asked him about LeBron's availability, to which Rob Palinka responded, well, is Joel Embiid available? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think – I think there's something to it, but I think it was more on the Warriors' side than anything else. George, why would Jeannie Buss even allow a conversation between the Warriors and LeBron to take place? Well, it wasn't uh, – I mean, I, I think – well, it wasn't going to be directly with LeBron. Um, let's start with that. I mean, you can't do that by rule. But the – I guess her position would be, you know, and this has always been the Lakers' position, which is they want to keep their stars happy. And if he's unhappy, then, you know, he hasn't voiced it to me other than – you know, him wanting to win, that's being competitive. But if he's completely unhappy, uh, you know, we don't want to trade him, but, you know, we don't want him to be unhappy either. So if his, if his agent will tell you he's willing to go, then maybe we'd be willing to at least have a conversation. Now, that's me speculating, but that's just, I would say, somewhat informed speculation, just knowing on how they do business, the Lakers. All right. So speculate one more time for me here, George, uh, before we let you go. Will LeBron be on the Lakers next season? No. Get out of here. Yes. You think he's going to give up $51.4 million? Like, do you think he's opting out of that? No, but, I mean, he could do what James uh, I, I Harden just did. Out, I think he's opting out either no, he, way. But I, because I think told, he's opting out to help the you. Lakers. I just told you he's not going to get traded. Like, he's not going to allow himself to be traded. He is not going to do Rich Paul here. (laughs) I'm just, okay, I'm just telling you. I feel like I've been around the guy a long time now, okay? I, I you know, I feel fairly confident saying he's going to do it on his terms. I don't know if I see him even forcing a trade. Like, I I don't envision that. Um, So, yes, I do see him on the Lakers. He loves living here. In a way, he hasn't loved living anywhere else, including Miami. What? Cleveland, his hometown. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Yeah, I hate to break it to you. Um, So, you know, his kids are still in school here. Like, I see at the very least he opts in next year with the Lakers. Because, look, if you're asking me personally, I don't know if – I don't think Bronny James is ready to go to the NBA. That's just me watching him play. I mean, that's Um, George, that's everybody watching him play. That's mm -hmm. not just you. Right. So, I I think that, you know, he's probably at least a two-year player. um, So, that – dream of playing in the same league as him wouldn't happen till after next season, probably anyway. So I think that's kind of the situation, right? So he opts in, he plays for the Lakers one more year. The Lakers are going to have, because they stood pat at the deadline, three first rounders they can trade in the off season. So they can go get themselves more players or another all-star caliber player to play with LeBron and AD. They're going to be in the mix, like the Knicks and the heat and a couple of other teams because they're going to have some draft capital to work with. He is Pacific guys, Aslo. He has spent a lot of time around LeBron, not just I in Miami, him. but now out there in Los Angeles. Rumor is Pacific guy also likes living in L.A. more than he yeah. liked living in Miami. Trader, this George Sedano. But we are grateful hey, for you joining we- us. Weather's better. I hate to break it to you. The weather uh, here is better. East Coast, best coast. <laughs> Thanks, George. All right, guys. See ya. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, West Coast 
Only when it comes to Tupac Zaslo. Otherwise, I tend to agree with you. East Coast for life. I'm with you. But, you know, I did middle school ever. She was like a West Coast kind of chick. God, you got to put it like like at some point. I'm I'm tired of hearing about middle school Amber, and you need to show me middle school Amber. Show all of us middle school no, Amber. No, like it, it's it's all right. talk right now. It's just I'll it's leave a lot it to of your yapping. imaginations. Just know no. right. that I was driving around in my my purple people eater, my spar- sparkly purple Mazda protege, with the dice in the mirror yeah. and hubcaps that were chrome and gold. Yeah, and I had a ten in my trunk. And wow. it was all Tupac Shakur. So I mean, that was middle go. school Amber. As I was rolling huh? around the streets, the streets, if you will, of Siesta Key, Florida. Yeah. Coming up a, next here. It's a tough hood. <laughs> it's it's exact, exactly what Tupac was thinking about. <laughs> Coming up next here. On Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. It was a historic night in college basketball. We will get into that next where history was made on ESPN Radio. All-time scoring record for NCAA women's hoops. She did it in the most epic fashion ever. She only needed eight points to break the record. So she comes out, she scores the first eight points for her team. But if that wasn't enough... It was the shot that actually broke the record to get her to eight points was a three launched from the logo. She was still on the logo, Zaslo. It was like 40 feet that <laughs> she just launched this, heaved this thing up. Bam, nothing but it, that. It wasn't 40 feet, but it, it was such a wild, badass shot. She knows exactly what she's doing in that moment. You know, she wasn't trying to get to the free throw line to break the record she she was a showman out there tonight she knows what all those people in the building are there for and that's to see her she knows that they were there tonight in particular to see her break the record and she was going to do it in the type of fashion that gives them their money's worth and she pulls up from just inside the logo and it was if you watch the the replay of it it was a wild three it was in transition she's essentially you know fading to her left and just chucks it up, nothing but net. She's something out there. It was almost a half-court shot. It was ridiculous, uh, and ridiculous for her to do it in that fashion. Yeah. Right now, she's got 44 points, 13 <laughs> assists, five boards as the Iowa Hawkeyes are beating the Michigan Wolverines 96-80. to 80. If you're on that Michigan team, you're so annoyed that you ended up here on the schedule. When you're looking at... Caitlin Clark beating the record, and it's like, oh, come on. Like, how did we end up on this schedule when she's only got eight points left in order to do it? But I don't know. I think, I think those girls on that side kind of feel that it'll be something cool that they could think back about in a, in a few years when they're old. Like, I was, I was on the floor when, you know, what feels like the greatest scoring uh, women's college basketball player of all time broke the record. I, I think they probably dig it, actually. It is, a, it is a story to tell. I don't know if they necessarily see it that way yet because they're young and they're in the moment and they're competitors. So I don't know if you want it done against you, but you're right. They will. That is the story that one day they will tell their, their children and their grandchildren that they were there, even though it came against them. So Caitlin Clark making history in a monstrous way tonight. Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight here on Amber and Ian. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me, Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W Sports. So we've covered a lot of ground. We still have more to cover, though. We haven't gotten to some of the big topics in the NBA. One of those being that the 
Los Angeles Clippers powered forward PJ Tucker was fined 75 K by the yeah. NBA for the, what the league described as public comments, Zaslow about expressing a desire to be traded. This yeah. is another NBA cracking down on the whole public demand of a trade thing that we've seen recently. We saw it in the situation with Dame. We've seen this now, unless you're James Harden, right? Didn't he not get fined for that somehow? even though he's up to the same antics all the time. Maybe that just got lost in. He's just requested trades too many times or openly demanded trades too many times. So that gets lost in the whole mix. But nevertheless, we've seen the NBA crack down on this thing now, and it feels like that the commissioner and the league decided to put this on the top of their priority list. If you're going to talk about wanting out publicly, you're going to get slammed with 75K. I feel like I shouldn't have to go through this. I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask for, and I didn't demand a trade to be here. He's miserable there with the Clippers. And and it's not even that he's miserable on a team that isn't going anywhere. The Clippers look like they're going somewhere. They're good. But he never plays. He's not in their rotation. He's really – he's – He's at a place in his career, and he's an NBA champion. He was on that 2021 Milwaukee Bucks team, but he wants to play. He's late in his career. Like he said there, he didn't ask to be there. He signed a deal last year. This is the second year of, I think, a three-year deal that he signed in Philadelphia. They traded him, and and he's sour because, yeah, he wants to play, and that's understandable, But and I love P.J. Tucker. He was great for the Heat. In twenty twenty in twenty twenty three, I'm I'm a uh, twenty twenty two. Excuse me, I'm a big fan. I love PJ Tucker, but I can't side with him here, Amber. You know, this is them's the breaks. You sign the contract, you don't have a no trade clause, and this is the business of the NBA. Now, would you like it if you're a guy like PJ Tucker to work out some type of buyout situation with the Clippers? I would hope there could be some type of mediation and you could work something out here. But the whole, I didn't ask to be here, I didn't demand a trade. PJ, you're not new to this business. This is the way it goes, man. I can't side with him here. I don't totally agree with you in this scenario. And normally I do. Normally you and I are on the same side. But normally we see this with players who also chose to be where they are, right? And they signed the long-term deal, or even if they didn't choose to be where they are, if they were drafted or traded there, either way, then they sign a new deal with the team. They sign up for years, and then they end up demanding a trade out, and they're complaining about it in public. And I'm not down with any of that, because you made those choices because you wanted the bag. This is a bit of a different situation with P.J. Tucker. He didn't ask for any of this, quite literally. And also, he's not being utilized. And what he came out and he said to Anscape was he said, I want to be somewhere where I'm needed. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have my fingers crossed and I'm hoping to go somewhere else, whether I get bought out or I choose where I go or where I can play. And so basically he's just saying, I I just, they don't need me here. And I'd like at 38 years old to go somewhere. So I'm hoping that I end up being able to find a way to go somewhere where I can contribute and where people need me. And I don't know if that should cost you $75,000. Like that's not that big of a deal. We're talking about a dude who fell out of Ty Lue's rotation. James Harden gets traded there, right? He falls out of Ty Lue's rotation. He didn't expect to be in this situation and traded there. And then he's not being utilized. And he's at the very, very tail end of his NBA career. And he simply says, I'd like to go. So they don't need me here. I essentially like to go somewhere I can contribute. And like, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, hoping it happens. Like that's not that big of a deal for him to say that he's not saying bleep this place. I hate everybody. I want out. Well, there is a way for him to solve this issue. 
he can literally tell the Clippers, I will accept a buyout and you keep all the money. Like, they, they will absolutely let him go in that regard. So well, it's he not as mention if, a buyout. Yeah, of course, but, but I'm sure he doesn't like the price that they're coming back at him with in that buyout. He, he's in control. He could say, I will give back the rest of the money that I'm owed, and they will give him a buyout, I mean, before he finishes the sentence. I, I do wonder, though, Amber, do you think he's mad at his teammate James Harden and all? Because the whole reason he's there was because Harden refused to play in Philadelphia. Yep. I understand it's a business, but and, – and he goes back with Harden to Houston. Like, they're – at least they were tight. I think they're still tight. I don't know. Maybe this has hurt the relationship. But he's there because of James Harden. Like, do you right. think he's mad at him? I'd be mad. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't maybe know. maybe I'm, I'm sure childish. He's... Yeah, I'd, I'd be mad. Yeah, I, I don't – I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know how these guys – what makes them tick because they're built so differently than we are out here in the real world. You know, it wouldn't be like the, I I mean, I get it. We all have egos, especially frankly, even in this business, but it's always funny to me. Like you're 38 years old, right? Which is the equivalent of like, you know, 65 in most industries. Right. So it's like, imagine you're 65 years old and you're in your, your job, your regular person's job and, and your you don't boss actually is like, work hey, and you still get paid. That's well, a good that's deal, the Amber. Thing. And your boss is like, hey, you know what? I actually don't need to use you. Like, you're a CPA. I don't actually need to use you this tax season. I'm going to let you sit this one out. Sounds but don't worry. Me. The paycheck is still coming the same way it always was. Can you imagine that CPA being like, no, no, no. You have to send me to a different company. I got to go somewhere. I got to work more. I have to work harder on the back end tail end of my career. But I need to save people money on their taxes. Send me somewhere where I can help the people save money <laughs> on their taxes. Oh, it's always funny to me. Like, PJ, chill out, man. You're well, but playing basketball is fun, though. Like, that's the point. Yeah. It, it is fun. It is. And I they're not letting fun. them have fun, you know? They're not letting I, I, them. The, more fun for them because they're really good at it, frankly, than I think it is It is for me and you. But, yeah, they're not letting him have fun. He wants to get out there. I think he recognizes, like, this is his last raw. He wants to be contributing somewhere. And I don't think saying fingers crossed that I end up somewhere that I am actually needed or can contribute is, like, that big of a deal. Not nearly as egregious as some of these things that we've seen. Some of these players trying to force their way out to say. But – the NBA, $75,000 for those comments.